Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Today is the 5th of February. Welcome to episode 6 of the Groovy Podcast with me, Peter Lebrook. And me, Ken Cousin. Hey, so, everybody, uh, Ken Cousin is joining me not as an interviewee, but as a co-host. Uh, we do have another partner in crime who uh, apparently couldn't make it uh, to this particular episode. But, uh, yeah, hi, Ken, how are you doing? Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Uh, we, I don't know that we could be too many more time zones separate, could we? You're in London, <laughs> right? Uh, you could be in New Zealand. That's probably true. Oh, yeah, somewhere in China. Diego. But, yes, so it's uh, 7 o'clock in the morning where you are, I gather. Right. It's San Diego, California. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't have much sympathy. I was up at 6 o'clock this morning uh, running in the snow, so... But, to be honest, we don't get quite the same sort of uh, snowstorms that you've been seeing in the U.S. recently. And, and you also could have chosen not to be running in the snow. I could have, yes. <laughs> well, when I left this morning, it wasn't snowing. It turned to snow halfway through. Okay. Um, anyway, so let's get on to the news items for this week. Uh, last episode... Guillaume live announced on the show the release of Groovy 2.4.0. So uh, the big thing here is the introduction of proper Android support. So I haven't given much, um, haven't really tried this out much. I tried it with an early milestone. So Ken, I hear you've been actually given it a go. What are your thoughts of the like the Android support and any of the other 2.4.0 changes? Much like you, I, I'd been waiting until... Actually, what I was waiting for was Groovy 2.4 to come out because I knew Cedric had pointed out in his presentation, which I, I went to at uh, Spring 1.2 GX last year. Uh, he made it clear that in order to make the Android support work, you had to have Groovy 2.4, and that was a very early release candidate at that point. So now that 2.40 is out, I guess in the last, what, week and a half or so, uh, I thought I'd give it a try, and... It was remarkably easy, and the best part is how much easier it was than what his blog post made it sound like. I mean, his blog post was working with an early release candidate, and he had to add a lot of different things in order to make it work. Now that 2.4.0 is a release, all I had to do was I made a, a regular Android app and went into Android Studio and just updated the Gradle builds. So in order to update the Gradle builds, you put in the various dependencies you need, the, the Gruoid one. I assume that's pronounced Gruoid. Doesn't that make sense? Uh, I think it's Gruid. Yeah, except that it would make sense. I mean, if it's going to rhyme with Android, you know? Ah, uh, OK. So there was, the, there was an interesting discussion on Twitter with uh, Russell Winder, uh, Cedric, and myself and uh, about exactly how that should be pronounced. I think it's probably going to stay as Gruid. Um, but yes, that I mean the whole pun. I mean that misses the, the the rhyme. And I remember that Twitter discussion. All right, well, I suppose we'll have to ask Cedric, right? Or, well, any rate, uh, yeah, I, Guillaume and Cedric. Okay, yeah, and Guillaume, right? So, any rate, I pasted that in, and I updated the repository, and everything just worked. Now, I, I renamed my source main Java folder source main Groovy. I renamed the generated activity into a activity.groovy instead of .main. And by the way, the other thing I did, which I'd never done before, is they've got a link to that Swiss Knife project. The Swiss Knife project allows you to do basically dependency injection inside of an Android app, so you don't have to look up all of your widgets and you don't have to respond, you don't have to write the, the inner classes for the events. I was going to replace the inner classes with closures, but it turned out I didn't even have to do that because with the Swiss Knife project, you can put in 
various uh, annotations like at on click or at view uh, inject view and it brought them in automatically so I was able to write a trivial app just something to make sure that it all worked and it was so easy to do that I imagine now I can just use Groovy anywhere in my app. Now, what I haven't tried doing, and I'm curious about, is whether I can do both Groovy and Java. Uh, the implication is, is that you can, but I haven't tried to mix them yet. Uh, just because, again, sometimes Android wizards generate code, and I wonder if I can just use it as it stands rather than rewriting everything in Groovy that way. I mean, yeah, I, kind of, I assume that it would work absolutely fine. I mean, since it's uh, ultimately just going down to the bytecode, and you've still you've got the normal Groovy to Java interactions. I would assume so too. I just didn't actually try that part. I just tried to build it purely in Groovy. Uh, of course, Cedric's uh, conference app is online, but I noticed that uh, his code is all in source main Java, and I don't know whether that's going to have to be updated or not. So I did something completely from scratch. It took me 10 minutes to get it up and running, and I was very pleased with it. So this whole, you know, rumored argument that Groovy will be the Swift for Android, you know, uh, at least it has a, it has a chance. I mean, I, it looks like it's a legitimate way to go. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I, I, I called the uh, Google buying the, uh, sort of hiring the Groovy guides. So uh, it's, it's definitely, a, I think it's a possibility, as you, as you say. Um, it's not like a, a definite. I mean, there are all sorts of uh, arguments for and against, like, Google supporting any particular language other than Java. So um, mm -hmm. it'd be interesting to see what happens. But Purely a rumor, but that's what podcasts are for, starting Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're just uh, opinion mongers, rumor mongers. That's it, rumor mongers. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping at some point to uh, give the Android support another go. And of course, the Android support comes with the Gradle plugin as well, which uh, I assume is updated for Groovy 2.4.0. Well, that was the weird part. In fact, it's the Gradle plugin and everything that kind of brings in Groovy. I mean, I, I've, every Gradle build I've ever written you know, on a Groovy app, has the Groovy dependency in it, just the Groovy core dependency, yeah. and this one does not, which feels really strange, you know, because it's brought in through the plugins. Right, got you. Yeah, but it kind of makes but, sense. Sure, but the funny part is, is that it's like if you go to Android Studio and say, well, I'm going to put in the Groovy plugin for IntelliJ, you know, for Android Studio, it says, no, there's nothing there. And yet, as soon as you add in the Gradle build and it adds all the dependencies, then you're fine. You just don't have any way, you don't have a right-click where you can say, oh, I want a new Groovy class. You have to make a new file, just end the file extension of .groovy, and then it understands the Groovy code inside it without any problem. Okay, that's interesting. And actually, thinking about it more, um, it's, it, it is unusual for a plugin to depend on a language, because then it depends on a specific version. Right. But I'd never, I didn't have any problems with things compiling or, or telling me I was missing dependencies or anything like that. Uh, it looked like, as I say, it took about 10 minutes to get it set up and updated and downloaded all the required dependencies and worked right out of the box. Uh, mm. I think it's a, now I'm going to actually use it. Now I'm, you know, I'm working on a, a Gradle for Android book on that. Uh, not on that. I'm, I'm talking about Gradle for Android. And now I just came up with a new chapter, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, cool. Well, I hope you're making good progress on that. Uh, um, hope is a strong term. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So I, I just quickly want to uh, move on. So there was yes. just 
some other things. Uh, Android is the big part of the Groovy 2.4.0 release, but there are some other interesting uh, additions. Apparently, a lot of the methods have been moved from collection class to iterable, which means that a lot of stuff that you've been using for collections will actually work with a lot more things than like just the list sets and other things. Um, so hopefully this will make things a lot more consistent. So anything that implements iterable will get uh, like the size method and uh, the various um, like find, find all and uh, other such methods. Uh, and another one I noticed was the groovy shell is getting some uh, love again. So I'm not really a big groovy shirt user myself. I generally go for the uh, swing UI console. Right. Um, but it's, it's great to see uh, some extra love getting there because the tooling support is nice uh, and I do use like the Groovy console extensively. So moving swiftly on, Gradle 2.3 Release Candidate 2 was released just yesterday. So there weren't really many big uh, ticket items that I saw that would, would be particularly relevant to many people. Um, there was an interesting one. There was an improved Gradle build comparison plugin. I didn't even realize there was one. But this will allow you to kind of either evolve your build or migrate from one build to another and ensure that the stuff that you're generating, the stuff the build is doing, uh, is consistent between like various iterations of a build or when you're trying to migrate from one build tool to another. So um, I have noticed, by the way, that in the Gradle builds these days, they still list it as an experimental feature, but the Gradle init capability, the one that generates the project for you, uh, I've been using that now for several months, and it's worked very nicely. I haven't tried to do it with a Maven Palm yet, but just using Gradle init Groovy, you know, Groovy projects or things like that uh, have been very convenient. I, I, I hope that makes it into the final version and becomes something that's no longer experimental. Yeah, I, I imagine that. I, I think I've saw something along the lines of that. That's definitely going to be a core feature, and they'll be spending a bit more time on that. Um, of course, I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit biased against it because, of course, that competes with Lazybones, my own project. But um, I think, you know, for anybody that doesn't have, want an extra tool, just being able to do like Maven archetypes, but better within Gradle is great. So yeah, it's currently an incubating feature, but I can't imagine that will be for that much longer. Well, I, I use Lazy Bones when I do Rat Pack. Yeah, yeah, that was his uh, original intention. Um, yeah. It's interesting to see other ones. It's actually good for creating a new Spring Boot app, for example. Um, I'd be interested to see how it fits in with uh, Grails 3 as well, with its new uh, profiles and stuff. But we'll, we'll get on to that. Um, in fact, it's the next item. So mm -hmm. uh, just to finish off on the Gradle 2.3, there is better Eclipse web tooling platform integration, WTP, I think that's what it stands for. Um, and the tooling API can now generate colored output, just like the command line for Gradle does. Uh, that was uh, contributed by Larry Hatari, who is part of the Grails team. So I assume this was connected with Grails 3, because that uses Gradle for its build now. So way, yes. That's a topic that was not discussed previously with the end of the Pivotal support, is what's going to happen with Groovy and Grails tool suite. Uh, I've been worried about that product for months now because it seems like each version is less stable than the previous, even though they keep adding things. And of course, the Gradle support was never really very good. Uh, I'm glad to see they're improving Gradle support in it, and we'll see what happens with Groovy and Grails Tool Suite. Personally, I'd much prefer to use IntelliJ, but I work with a lot of clients who don't have an IDE budget. They just use the free tools, and so I'm stuck with it sometimes. So it'll be interesting to see how that evolves as well. 
Yeah, let's come back to that uh, shortly. We're, t we're talking about the Grails 3 release, and okay. part of the Grails 3, um, uh, one of the advantages is the IDE support. Wow. So, yes, like Grails 3 Milestone 1 was waiting on, as uh, Graham said last time, is waiting on the Gradle 2.3 release. So mm -hmm. Grails 3.0 Milestone 1 is now available. Um, just a couple of notes I've, I've picked up from emails from the dev mailing list. Uh, you sh do want to use the latest patch versions of either Java 7 or Java 8, whichever is your preferred platform. Um, mm -hmm. There seem to be some like JVM bugs that affect Grails or perhaps it's Spring Boot, um, so earlier patch versions. So get the latest Java. Uh, and it seems like JDK 7, I'm not sure whether it's the minimum for Grails 3 development, uh, but it certainly seems to be the minimum for importing a project into IntelliJ uh, and possibly uh, Eclipse and GGTS as well. Uh, it looks like there's a binary incompatibility with the Asset Pipeline plugin, oh. which is all plugins in Grails 3 are now JAR files. They're pre-compiled, so they're classes, so we will run into these kinds of issues where somebody's compiled something against Java 8, uh, and therefore you can't use the plugin in a Java 7 or Java 6 project. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, uh, whether there are any mechanisms to ensure that plugins don't get released with ridiculously uh, recent versions of Java. Um, but it will certainly improve like build speed and there are a lot of other um, advantages to using pre-compiled classes. Uh, so I haven't got a, had a chance really to uh, try Grails 3 out yet. I've seen uh, Graham's presentations on it. Um, so Ken, I think you you watched his uh, screencast at least. I mean, what were your first impressions? Well, I, I like the fact that now, of course, it's using Gradle. You know, I think that was the last major project in the whole Groovy ecosystem that still used Gantt, you know. Yeah. And now, of course, it's using Gradle. Uh, by the way, his podcast, uh, not podcast, uh, Graham did a screencast on it that has been referenced in the Groovy Weekly and in uh, uh, Jacob Nicholson's uh, Grail's Diary, and that screencast is wonderful. I, I highly recommend uh, taking a look at that. Uh, but whenever, when I was looking at it, I liked the Gradle features for it. I liked the, the standalone mode. I also found it very interesting that now you can do functional tests in Grails and that it will use Jeb for the underlying infrastructure for that. And, you know, up to now, whenever you want to do a functional test in and Grails, you had to add a plugin, and now that's going to be built right in and generate a Jeb test for it. Uh, I don't know that I care about the YAML configuration stuff. You know, that seemed to be somewhat of an interesting decision. Uh, well, the, the advantage of YAML, sorry to interrupt, but the, the advantage of YAML is that it can be modified programmatically. Well, it's only a lot easier than trying to modify the any of the Groovy config files. Oh, so okay. you're, you're not... Uh, I think you're restricted to using YAML in... Actually, no, if I, if I remember the discussion with Graham correctly, uh, you can still use Groovy configuration files. Uh, it's just that Grails uses uh, YAML by default. I think you can even define commands using Groovy scripts rather than using the YAML files. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, you don't have to deal with YAML directly yourself. But, but you shouldn't have to. I think that's the intention. I'm not worried about it. I just was surprised to see it. It wasn't something I was expecting. Uh, but it doesn't look like it'll be a problem at all. And I, again, we have to you know, give a hat tip to Marco Vermeule because 
suddenly Milestone 1 was available on GBM, just like everything else, you know, and, and GBM is, I think every Ruby developer in existence, a Rails person ought to shake Marco's hand for, for GBM, so. Uh, yeah, definitely, I'll, I'll buy him a beer next, every time you see him. Even better, even better. Um, so, yeah, uh, there are other, other things, like you get the application.groovy file, which means that you can just right-click on that class, mm -hmm. go run, and it will launch it in a uh, in your IDE. Yeah, um, they said that you could generate the war file and then run it from java-jar command, uh, either as a war or a jar file. Again, that's the Spring Boot heritage underneath. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you get a, um, uh, what do they call it, fat jar, or a fat war in this case. You just get all the dependencies in there and just run it using the Java command. And this goes to, I mean, the other like nice thing, you mentioned the functional tests with Jeb. What I find really interesting there is that you can run the functional tests now from within the IDE just by right-clicking on the test case. And you it didn't seem to drive a browser or anything. I mean, he didn't create a browser and watch it for it very... When Graham did it in his screencast, and I have no idea what he's got on that machine, but, man, everything runs fast, and that's... <laughs> <laughs> it works like a charm, and I didn't see a browser open up and run. It just ran all the tests and worked. Okay. He may have been using HTML unit, like a, a headless connector. Oh, okay. So, no, no, I it didn't dwell on it long enough to really look at the test. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it means you no longer need to, like, spin up the... Grails build in order to run the functional tests. You can just right. do them. So IDE integration is is just a core feature now of Grails, and um, you you basically don't need uh, special Grails support in order to work on a Grails project now, because you just run it as if it's a Java application. You just run the tests as if they are standard JUnit tests. Uh, so pretty much everything uh, you needed special tooling support for, you no longer do. Uh, which means you can use IntelliJ Community Edition for Grails 3 applications. Oh, boy, I didn't even think of that. That's really good. That's good to hear. That may make a big difference for a lot of clients, I know. Um, so, and, and that may mean that uh, we don't, you don't really need that uh, special Grail support in GGTS either. So, like, standard STS should be fine. Has anybody tried it there yet? Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe somebody will... I'm getting to the point where I don't trust it anymore, but I, when they come out, I assume the final version will be out before, well, just to pick a random date, the end of March? You know? uh, certainly Grails 3 is scheduled for that, yes. Um, SCS, so I, I have no idea. No, 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 I meant Grails 3. So when it comes out in the final version, then I'll try it out in STS. Of course, if we, or GTS, if we decide to talk about it in the next podcast, I'll try it before then if you yeah, well, see how it, how it goes. Um, I mean, one thing that uh, I'm a, a little worried about, or something that uh, the Grails 3 really needs right now, or a couple of things, are a migration guide. So mm. uh, for getting people from their 2.x projects into onto 3, yes. um, the change to Gradle means that a lot of the build integration stuff, if you've got anything that monkeys around with the build, that has to be changed completely. Yeah. Um, you know, custom commands are now handled uh, the whole command line. The command line is a lot faster. So um, they've, they've tackled a lot of real pain points with Grails, with Grails 3. Um, so there's, there's some really significant uh, benefits that will, uh, I think, allow people or encourage people to come back to the framework if they've been put off by some of the things like, like it's slow to uh, launch the build and 
launch commands and that kind of thing. Um, so that, that's fixed. But um, it, there really needs to be a, a migration guide. Otherwise, I don't think many people are going to try the milestones, which means there's not going to be enough feedback. Mm -hmm. um, and the, you need something similar for plugin authors as well. Uh, because at the moment, um, maybe there is something, but I haven't seen it. Uh, the most I've seen is here are some example plugins, uh, the, the existing Grails 3 plugins. Basically, uh, go through those and have a look to see what changes you might need to make to your own. So um, I think to encourage plugin authors to update their plugins, there really does need to be some sort of migration guide there as well. And, I, suspect, I suspect the top 20 or 30 plugins in popularity, those authors will already be working on this uh, as soon as they can. I mean, uh, those are the ones I trust the most anyway. Is when they when they I go to the the Grail site to the plugins list and look under popular, and if it's in the top say 40 or 50, then I have some faith in it. You know, so I right, yeah. working hard. Some, some are going to be harder to migrate than others, so anything that just does stuff at runtime, um, like the, I think the mail plugin would be fairly easy to uh, migrate. Anything that uh, integrates with the build system, I think Spring Security is going to be a little bit tricky, like the, as, as well as the database migration plugin. Anything related to test running, I think, uh, will require a fair bit of work. Um, but at the moment, it's not clear exactly what you need to do and what the changes are. Um, and I'm, I kind of hope that there's a plugin API specification, something that um, plugin authors can work against. And it's something that I always felt uh, sad about with earlier versions of Grails and something I wish I'd been able to um, invest time in early on in uh, Grails life. You know, I was working on it around the Grails uh, 1.0 and 1.1. The, you have the plugin descriptor, but there are all sorts of other things that a plugin could do, but there were no real specifications for it. So it was really a look at what other plugins are doing. Um, and then, of course, some things break. And uh, yeah, it's, so it would be nice to say this is the plugin API. Uh, even better would be if an application had exactly the same hooks as a plugin. I remember there's a, a long running issue so that. Hey, why can't why can't applications hook into uh, do with application context or do with Spring, um, or the other ones like do with dynamic methods? Because uh, you sometimes want to do that for an application without having to pull it out into a, a into a plugin. So it'd be interesting to see whether uh, anything happens on that score. You realize how many tasks you're adding to the Grails team now to have to get done before the release. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I think it's, I mean, I, I have quite a lot to say, which is part of the reason I haven't done the um, the Future of Grails blog post that I promised. Um, there's, there's quite a lot to say. So I think there's a lot of hope. And Grails 3 is doing a lot of good things. Um, there, I personally think there's, there's still some of these things to encourage people to uh, get more active. Uh, and make sure that Grails 3 has a, a good ecosystem of uh, plugins when it when it comes out. And one of the other advantages of Grails 3 is that so much has been ripped out um, that the core, like the Grails developers, are have much less responsibility. There's a, a small code base that they're actually directly responsible for. Okay. Uh, Grails 2. I mean, if you look at how much stuff 
the Grails core team worked on, including all the plugins. It was a huge amount. Um, I would say just too much for the size of the team. So it's great to see uh, like so much like being ripped out. Like they don't have to worry about the build system anymore. They just rely on the Gradle team to do their stuff. Wonderful. Um, uh, there's there's much less specialized code inside because Spring Boot is doing so much more of the work. Um, okay. There was there was a lot of custom Spring configuration at runtime, so uh, that's a uh, that's a big hope for me is that there's just less work, there's less uh, a smaller code base for the actual oh. core developers to work on. That'll make it easier for you and Glenn to update Grails in action again. Then. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. <laughs> so yeah, um, you know now that it's, I, I think the borders between Spring and Grails will be more cleanly delineated. I think it's going to be easier for people to contribute to the project. Uh, but if you're going to have an open source project, there's still to get people involved is still a big investment in in time and effort. Um, yeah. There's there's no real way to get around around that, um, unless unless you're like Node and you have a community that's like millions strong, and then you only need 0.01% of them to actually actively contribute. And hey, your project's sorted. But the price you pay for that is you've got to like work on Node and write in JavaScript, and you know it's not worth it. <laughs> and the other thing, of course, is that when you've got so many people and like so many modules and that kind of managing those and making sure that users have a manageable experience. The, the only other thing, by the way, that I'm looking forward to in Grails 3 that was not featured yet uh, will be a profile to make just a RESTful web service, something that allows you to strip out all the, uh, the additional stuff and just be able to build something similar to but different from Rat Pack which, if you want, that may be our segue to talk about Rat Pack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll go on to that next. So, I mean, that's an interesting thing, but I don't think that's what a profile will be. So your, okay. profile, your profile is whether it's like a server application or a Netty application or a command line application. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, don't, I know that the, one of the goals that I'd heard all along was in Grails 3, while you can do uh, RESTful web services very easily with the annotations now, it would be nice if you could say, hey, look, I only want a microservice, if you will, to use last year's buzzword. Uh, you know, instead of getting the full massive Spring Hybrid 8 type of support, we get something without a, necessarily a, a UI level and a layer and things like that, so that you could just have something that, again, it's similar to but different from the Rat Pack type of functionality. Yeah, yeah so my understanding is that uh, you basically have the servlet profile, and then mm -hmm. you will have a project archetype uh, like a, a Gradle build project, right. um, which only includes the plugins and other dependencies that you need for RESTful web service. Yeah, I'm looking for that. You just don't include the plugins that you don't want to use. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think that's going to be a big advantage. It's going to lower the uh, footprint of a, a lot of Grails applications. It's going to make it more viable for microservices as well, I think. So uh, the integration with Rat Pack is an interesting one. Dan Wood says there's something coming, so I can't wait to hear what, uh, what he has planned there. So Rat Pack has a 0.9.13 release. Um, it's apparently a big one. Uh, the, the team have told us this is a big release. So I had a look at the announcement. The show notes will have a, a link to the release notes for it. 
Uh, basically, the way that an application or application starts has changed completely. You don't have this thing called a launch config anymore. You now have an entry point, which is a rat pack server, which is a concept that I think people will be more familiar with. Well, mm -hmm. will understand that better. Um, and possibly more importantly, the registry mechanism, where like modules were registered for. Um, like uh, possibly doing like database work or um, like background threads, that kind of thing. Uh, that is now moved outside of request handling. So uh, the idea is that Ratpack will be now much easier to integrate into like application frameworks. So it'd be easier to integrate with a Spring application with just the web front end being Ratpack. Um, interesting to see. I, I've used Ratpack off and on over the past couple of years, and I really like the simplicity. But the biggest problem I've always had with Ratpack was the documentation was so far behind uh, the the actual functionality that I never really knew how to do anything in it. You know, so I'm hoping that when they hit their 1.0 release, which presumably is coming, that well, that would be one of the major things is to show us how to use all this stuff and and with you know some examples to, that we can work from. Yeah, I mean, I've I've got a simple one for my website, but yeah, it's I I think there's uh it, it it's well engineered, um but not I I don't feel it's terribly accessible. I've been to several Rat Pack talks and they they tend to if you're not familiar with the terminology, a lot of it just goes over your head. I mean, it's uh. Technology-wise, it, it is really, uh, really pretty good. Uh, it scales very well, of course, from people who've actually tried it. Um, well, and it's those capabilities and the, the asynchronous stuff and the handler chains. I mean, it's really very impressive technology. We just need to make it a little bit easier to get into. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping to actually spend some time on Ratpack at, at some point and, uh, you know, do introductory work. Uh, and also, like, actually, I'm thinking of. Working on the manual as a way to get familiar with um, Ratpack itself. So sometimes you just do a whole project using one technology in order to learn about that technology. Uh, um, I think writing about it is another way to do that. Absolutely, and Dan's still working on his book too. So hopefully the the combination will give us uh, lots of ways to get on that. Yeah, that's going to be great. Every time we meet Dan, we'll be able to ask him about the book. That's going to annoy him so much so quickly. I had such a fun time reviewing that proposal because while the everything in there was great, the proposed schedule, I just was laughing so hard and thinking, boy, I can't wait to meet him at this next conference. And So, how's it coming? Are you still on schedule? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The initial schedules are always quite interesting. Uh, I remember ours and I was like, no, seriously, I, I don't really want to commit to a schedule because I know it's not going to happen like that. So yeah, uh, no news on Ratpack 1.0, uh, but 0913 is a big release. Um, hopefully there won't be big API changes from now until 1.0, but we don't really know. Uh, but yeah, if you're using Ratpack and want to give it a try, then uh, definitely check out that release. Uh, another like, library uh, technology that's got a new release is GrooScript, which hit a milestone. It hit 1.0, so GrooScript is a transpiler to take Groovy code uh, and transpile it to JavaScript. So, uh, as Guillaume said in one of his tweets, you can now have Groovy on the server and uh, now in the client on the web device uh, on in a browser, uh, and you can also have it on Android. So you can have Groovy throughout the whole stack of like modern uh, mobile applications. 
Well, now that that's 1.0, I am looking forward to looking at that. I, I browsed through the manual a little bit, looked at it. I mean, it, it feels like instead of having to go to CoffeeScript, now you've got Ruby, you know, and that works for me, but I haven't actually tried to use it in an app yet. Presumably, you'll be able to add it to a, a Grails app just through, uh, not even through a plugin, just by adding the proper jars in the proper place. I imagine you'll be able to go ahead and use it there, too. Well, I imagine it, uh, you know, it, it would integrate with Asset Pipeline. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, I don't know where the code generation part's done, but once it's generated, I imagine they could just serve it up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's my understanding, but I, I don't really know much about that project. It was certainly something like coming from a background of GWT. Uh, mm -hmm. I was always interested in the idea of using Groovy rather than Java. Uh, but it, it is quite a crowded space. I mean, there's uh, TypeScript and ClojureScript and CoffeeScript, as you mentioned, and others. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see how much traction uh, that one gets. And uh, I, I don't do much in the way of JavaScript anyway, so uh, I can't see myself playing around with that technology, but uh, definitely if you have a go, you'll have to let us know how uh, how you find it. Yeah, I'm not an expert at that either. That's not really my space, but I will, I mean, now that they're 1.0, I, I feel like I at least ought to give it a try and see how it works. But yes, you're right, that is a big space, and there's a lot of people who write JavaScript and just live with it, and there's a lot of people who go to any lengths possible to avoid writing JavaScript, and this is a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do hope that people give it a, a try. Um, I think it'd be, especially if you like have a Java or Groovy background, then mm. it's, uh, it's probably the, the easiest one for, for you to pick up. Uh, so that's GrooveScript. Um, we mentioned books. We've mentioned several books, because the big one uh, that people are still waiting for is Groovy in Action, second edition, and the news is it has gone to production, so uh, you, you won't be getting subtle, it. But did you see how subtle that was, subtly that was announced? I mean, Dirk sends something saying, oh, Regina, Regina, however you prefer to say it, went into production, didn't even say the name of the book. For those listeners who are not familiar with that term, uh, Groovy in Action was always abbreviated as Gina, as in, I've spent many a pleasant evening with Gina, you know. And then, of course, the second edition was always going to be known as Regina, Regina, which also apparently is um, uh, Paul King's mother's name. <laughs> so that works oh, out. Right. I did not know that. Yeah, he told me that. Uh, so, of course, that was always the joke, that it was going to be Regina. And he didn't even come out, I mean, Dirk didn't come out and say, oh, we sent Ruby in Action second edition to publication. He just said Regina. And you had to catch that go, oh, wait, hey, this is big news. We've been waiting, what, I think the first edition's 2007, maybe, 2008 at the latest. And we've been waiting ever since for the second edition. That's yeah. still, I mean, that first edition, still my favorite all-time technical book. I love that book. So I'm really looking forward to the second edition. Even though all the chapters have been ready and available at Manning, uh, you know what sorts of changes they undergo when you do the final production run and, and get in all the feedback and everything. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what the final version looks like. Yeah, this will only be big. I know that much. 1,000 pages, apparently. Um, yeah, 600, 600 code listings. So um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, a magnus opus. But it's a definitive guide, you know. I mean, yeah, it is pretty much. Um, hold all the answers in it, right? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I don't know when people will get it through the letterbox, but um, hopefully, you know, a couple of months, maybe something like that. Right. We shall see. But yes, many people have been waiting a long time for it. And <laughs> I don't know how many groovy versions they've gone through. Um, 
I don't know that they delineated them. I think the thing kind of stagnated off and on, and they'd add another co-author, and they'd write this one or two chapters, and then, you know, I remember when they added Hamlet Darcy, for example, to do a couple of more chapters, and then again it would kind of wait. But, I mean, I can't imagine if I had to deal with that book and to sit down and say, all right, now I've got to go through this entire thing and give it a common look and feel and smooth out all the variations and rewrite it. It would be a mountain. I'd just be so intimidated I wouldn't even want to start. So I understand why it took a long time. I'm just really happy that we're finally going to have it in the next couple of months. Yeah, it is very good news. A lot of people waiting for that. Um, good for Groovy as well. Good for the language to, to have that reference finally up to date. Um, so just want to finish off with uh, Spring 1-2 GX was announced. So it will be the 14th to the 17th of September 2015. Right. Uh, there will still be the usual four tracks on Groovy and Grails, and it will be in Washington, D.C. again. Right. So I really enjoyed the one at Washington, D.C. I, I like Washington, D.C. as a city. Um, it's kind of... I didn't really expect a federal capital to be a nice place, but actually it's, it's quite nice. Uh, where for me, that's, I guess, more or less routine. Uh, it's also one of the few places I can actually fly direct, so I like that too. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a very good location for a conference. Um, I'm I like the fact they've done this East Coast West Coast other type of uh, cycle. You know, last year in Dallas and the previous year in in uh, San Jose, and it's time to come back to the East Coast and put it in DC again. I think that'll work out very nicely. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to that one. Um, so yeah, I th I think we're going to wrap this up. Um, I will hopefully get on uh, on the blogging platform again and uh, blog my thoughts on the future of Grails. Uh, I do, you know, my thoughts are with the uh, Grooving Grails teams as they're like I gather I suspect still trying to negotiate um, support for the project, sponsorship for the project. So fingers crossed there, uh, and I'm sure we'll have good news by March. Right. The implication that seemed to come out of their discussions was that there's a lot going on they can't talk about. There's a lot of discussions happening behind the scenes, and yeah. we really won't know anything concrete until it actually happens, and presumably that will be sometime in March. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, in the meantime, we'll just have to keep groovying along. Uh, we've got plenty to get our teeth into, especially with the Grails 3 release and the Groovy 240 and the Android stuff. So uh, have fun with all that stuff, guys, and I will get this up and audio version as soon as I can with show notes, which will have links to a lot of these uh, announcements for you. So uh, until next time, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Take care.